Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Dr. Mahmoud Kanoum is widely considered the leading microbiome researcher in the world. With a master's in medicinal chemistry and a doctorate in microbial physiology, he's the scientist who named the microbiome, not the microbiome, microbiome. He's published over 400 peer-reviewed scientific papers, his work's been cited almost 18,000 times by other scientists, and he's received over $25 million in funding for his research from the National Institutes of Health. He's also the founder of Biome and the author of Total Gut Balance, Fix Your Microbiome Fast for Complete Digestive Wellness. Dr. Ghanoum, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Congrats on the amazing new book, Total Gut Balance, which we're going to talk about. Thank you. Thank you. So a lot of us know about the microbiome. It's kind of a big thing now. Lots of great, great content, specifically on Mind Buddy Green about it. But we're going to talk about today the microbiome. Yes. What is the microbiome and why is it so important? The microbiome it's the fungal community you know to teach when you teach mycology or fungal infections it's called mycology so i came out with the term microbiome to describe the fungal community so what is the fungal community you know in our body in our gut on our body in the skin at the mouth all over us we not only have bacteria but also we have fungi <laughs> and this they play together. It's like in a sandbox. Sometimes they play towards helping us, but when they overgrow or they are in balance, we are in big trouble. Yeah, so let's talk about like that big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean big trouble? Like what, what, what can go wrong? You know, it's very important to put it into perspective that when you hear about fungus, it is not all bad. So let's talk about the good thing. Yeah, first. there's a stigma around fungus. You're yes. like, oh, we got fungus. It's like, I don't, I don't want any of that. That's Keep what, me away from that. <laughs> that's what I'd like to really put into perspective. First of all, having fungus in our body, as I mentioned, is really normal. 50%, for example, of people, I did actually a study in students, and I took samples from their mouth, and 50% of them, they carry candida, which everybody is afraid of. But I'm here to tell you, having candida in our body is normal, as long as it is at low level or low abundance. Because in addition to being there, it actually could help us. It can break food if it is a fermentation, for example. It also can train our immune system. The trouble starts is when we have imbalance. And I can tell you the best example is we have an infection, bacterial infection, we take an antibiotic, and when you have an antibiotic, guess what happens? You kill the bad bacteria, but at the same time, you are killing the good bacteria, mm -hmm. which keeps this fungus out under control. So when this happens, you have an overgrowth of candida, then we have trouble. So it's kind of like stress. So we had uh, a great Professor Kelly McGonigal, PhD on here from Stanford, and she wrote a book called The Upside of Stress. And it's a similar concept where like some stress is good, it's important, you, you need it. But then you cross a line, oof. That's exactly true. That's exactly true. And in fact, stress also have been shown to affect our microbiome, both bacteria and fungus. <laughs> yeah. 
So what's also cool is apparently, okay, someone's like, okay, microbiome, fungi, I'm not you know, freaking out about that right now. It can also change very quickly. Yes, yes. There is study done by uh, Dr. Hoffman who tried to understand how can we change the microbiome in our gut based on diet, using diet. And he found that the fungus, including candida, can change very fast in short-term diet. Whereas bacteria, it needs long-term diet. Mm -hmm. And that's really what differentiates it, differentiates at least the bacterial from the fungal community. So microbiome versus microbiome. Exactly. One's very One you can change very quickly. The other one takes time. Yeah. Yes. And so something else. So I'm, I'm glad we talked about candida. Um, something else people get freaked out about is leaky gut. Yes. Leaky gut, you know, we learned a lot about leaky gut when people used to look at HIV-infected patients, AIDS patients. What happens because you have your immunity is really out of whack, you have all these organisms, particularly candida, can overgrow and start causing problems. So what is leaky gut? You know, organisms in our gut, lower, lower intestine or the large intestine, they live there happily when they are imbalanced. When we have an overgrowth or imbalance, as we mentioned, what happens? They start to form a biofilm. It's like the plaque in our teeth. Mm. Every morning we brush our teeth to get rid of that. We cannot do the same in our gut. But the problem, if you don't brush your teeth, you are going to have toothaches and your caries and this sort of thing. The same happens in your gut. These organisms, we showed that they can line our gut lining or they adhere to our gut lining and they start poking holes there. They damage the epithelial cell lining. And by damaging the epithelial cell lining, then organisms can go from our gut into our bloodstream. So that's why you have leaky gut. So what are some of the symptoms? Obviously, it depends on the situation. Sure. You have uh, inflammatory symptoms. You have sometimes blood, depending how much in your stool. And of course, you are going to have fatigue. You are not going to feel well uh, at all. And so... With regards to candida and leaky gut, what are some of the, the quick wins, if you will, that, that if, you're, if you're just not feeling well, you think something's off, that you can make, which changes can you make in terms of your diet and lifestyle, which you could potentially feel an impact? This is the good news, is that we are able, as we mentioned, to change our fungal microbiome or community very fast. One of the things you need to do, the first thing is you need to cut sugar. Fungi, especially candida, loves sugar, you know, refined sugar and all these uh, <laughs> sort of uh, simple sugars. So if you need to cut that down, also you need to make sure you are not deficient in vitamins, sure. such as uh, vitamin A, B, and C have been shown that if you have deficiency there, you are gonna have candida causing issues. Then you need to have some good proteins, good proteins from plants, as well as poultry and fish. So in terms of sugar, in your opinion, with regards to the microbiome, are all sugars created equal? You know, because, you know, there's a great line from uh, 
David Perlmutter revitalized a couple years ago. He said, it doesn't matter if your bees are meditating in an ashram, it's still sugar. Yeah. So like with, you know, there's honey, there's stevia, there's monk fruit. We could go on an allulose, monk fruit, like they're all, or is, what's your opinion? I think my opinion is, no, there are differences in sugar. Or if we put them under the carbohydrate sure. category, it's better. It's much easier like that. And there are two types. One is digestible, which means it breaks down very fast in our intestine. And this includes the simple sugars, the refined sugars. Mm-hmm. Okay? These are not very good. Why? Because they could, for example, affect our glycemic uh, index. Mm-hmm. They, you, you, if you eat too much of them, you'll start to change into fat because our body does not metabolize them fast. Okay. In contrast, we have the indigestible sugars, which means they don't break down in our intestine. However, when you eat them, they go down into the large intestine and the microbes there, the microbiome there, start to break them down. Mm-hmm. And then when they break them down, they do very good things. First of all, they will start producing small molecules we call, for example, short-chain fatty acids. Sure. These are really good for our immune response. Also, once they break down, these good bacteria loves them and they increase in number. And guess what? When you have a lot of good bacteria there, they keep the bad fungus down. Sure. Got it. So in terms of, you mentioned vegetables, obviously, it's the one thing everyone can agree on. And there are a lot of things that people don't agree on these days, unfortunately. I think I think most people would say, most experts would say sugar, not so good. Vegetables, fantastic. In your opinion, what are the, the best vegetables? I really love Brussels sprouts, you know. Yep. I'm from the Mediterranean. So I love cucumbers, I love lettuce, I love spring onions. All of these are really good, good stuff. What about sea vegetables? Sea vegetables, you know, I, like you mean uh, algae. Like kelp. Uh, kelp, kelp and algae yeah, and so yeah. You know, I tell you something, when I went to Japan many years ago, they loved those. Yeah. So, they are good and, and uh, taken into consideration that the Japanese in general are much healthier. They than are. <laughs> they're, they're, they're crushing us right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. I think they are good. But it goes back to your culture. You know, sure. we don't have a lot of that uh, eaten in the Mediterranean or for that matter here. I don't sure. see it It's much. very uh, blue yeah. zones. Exactly. Dan Buettner would approve. So you're also a, you're a big fan of polyphenols. Can you explain what are polyphenols and talk about some of your favorite sources? You know, polyphenols, I mean, a lot of people, of course, talk about polyphenols and they talk about wine, for example. Yeah. There is, you know, but this is not they a go good... They straight to red wine. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Great. Polyphenols. We yeah, don't need yeah. to talk anymore. Yeah. Polyphenols, polyphenols, red wine. So that's why I, in, in our book, we say that you have to limit the alcohol. You know, because in contrast to the total gut balance diet or the microbiome diet, which we develop, the Mediterranean diet, they love to have a lot of alcohol. So we like to at least maybe three glasses a week or something that's fine, you know. But I will not recommend it for you to have 
as you say, medicinal purposes, red wine for polyphenols. <laughs> sure. Okay, so I'm yeah. going to get going to happy hour for my polyphenol intake today. Yeah. So, I think a lot of a lot of uh, polyphenols will come from again uh, some berries. Some yep. yeah. They love are really, berries. Yeah, they are uh, lovely. Uh, and I think I love, in general, different type of berries. You know, they are very, very friendly, mycobiome-friendly diet. So in the book, you also, I love this line, you're, you list your superstars. What are your mycobiome superstars that everyone listening should just run out to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's <laughs> and just pick up a bag or multiple bags of these things? Okay, so I'm going to give you a bag. It's about pistachios, for example. It's I'm sold. You can just stop right there. <laughs> I love pistachios. I love I love when people come on and reaffirm my uh, my grocery decisions. I can tell you it is reaffirmed by publications as well. So you are in the right track. Okay. So that's one thing. The other thing, I love garlic. I think garlic is a superstar. And you will not believe it. Many, many years ago, I published three articles about the effect of garlic on candida. Huh. And in a way, that's what brought me to the United States of America. I was invited to give a talk about the effect of garlic in the first World Congress on the biology of garlic. Wow. So I published those papers and they are fantastic. They affect the, first, first of all, they can break down the proteins, you know, uh, in the candida. And because of this, they are they affect the cell membrane, and the cell will burst and lice and die. Was that was that in the UK? I did it in believe it or not in Kuwait. I used to be a professor. No, at you, Kuwait. you have a great story. You have to tell the story how you ended <laughs> up here. It's a very I know it's a little bit segue, but it's a tremendous story. Yeah. So you know, I I was uh, I graduated from UK and did my PhD, and yes. then I went. I did my first. Yeah. I had my first job in Malta, but after this, I ended up in Kuwait. I was professor at Kuwait University, and in the summer of the 1990, I was in holiday in England with my family, and lo and behold, Saddam Hussein comes and takes the country. So I lost my job, everything. Everything, yeah. So. And that's where the garlic worked because I was invited to give this talk on garlic <laughs> before the invasion. So I had my visa. Otherwise, you'd be there. It'd be not, not so much fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I came here and, uh, uh, you know, presented. And then people, good people here helped me. Uh, first of all, the, uh, Professor Jack Bennett from the NIH. He, he, he was specialist in fungus. He's a great man. Also... Another person helped me, which recently the story came out in the Washington Post. He is a travel agent, a black gentleman. I went to him. I said, listen, I need you to change my ticket because Professor Bennett want me to come. And there are all these researchers in the fungal field who will be there. And lo and behold, he helped me. I came back and guess what? I got two jobs, one at UCLA one at uh, in in Detroit. So of course I took the UCLA. <laughs> Detroit's making a comeback right now though. Yes, I agree. But it's amazing in some ways your research and garlic saved your family because that, that was not a it's, it's amazing. It's a, yeah. You know, but that's what it is about life. You don't you never know. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, yeah. You don't. And you I if you allow me to say something else, I did not want to study garlic, but there is the 
Because, what was but, your wife's take on that? No, <laughs> because, because, you know, I'm a scientist. I don't want to look at garlic, I sure. said. And th- but this guy, he's a faculty, Kuwaiti faculty member in the university. Every morning came to me, he said, oh, Dr. Ganom, you have to study garlic. It's great. People, when they use it, they don't have uh, uh, issues with their mouth. He did not leave me alone. And so I, I said, okay, I did it. I published the papers. And of course, the, the story you heard. You brought you here. It's yes. a, an amazing story. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So back to, so what's after garlic? My garlic's got to go number one. Garlic yeah. brought you here. Yeah. So <laughs> garlic saved your family, got you out of war-torn it Kuwait. Really does. Uh, I'm, <laughs> after this, uh, apple cider vinegar is very good. ACV. Yeah, it's really good, especially it can break the digestive plaque or biofilm. I think um, I mentioned the uh, Brussels uh, Brussels sprouts, sprouts pistachios, uh, yeah. B- broccoli, I love. I I really I really love a lot of cruciferous fruit, also legume, especially lentils. I love lentils. So you love legumes. Yeah, legumes. That's where you and Dr. Gundry... Uh, <laughs> in, in contrast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but all they're all, you know, a lot of people have different opinions on, on lectins and legumes, but, you know, I don't think they're all created equal either. It's hard to put them in one bucket. It's like putting all carbs in a bucket. Exactly. You know, you really bring out a very important point. We need... Carbohydrates. We need fat. We need also proteins. Okay, it's not like our body can can function without them. And because of this, it is which type of the the three different big macromolecules we can select. Let's let's get good proteins. Let's get good fats, monounsaturated uh, and polyunsaturated fats. You know, this is good. So like your extra virgin olive oils? Oh, I'm, I mean, uh, olive oil is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this is one thing that takes me back when I was a young uh, boy. We lived, you know, uh, in Lebanon, and we had, of course, huge fields of olive trees, you know. So the guy from the mountain used to come, I remember, with big tanks, you know. You buy, you buy this olive oil for the year, in big containers tank. And my mom buys maybe two, three uh, tanks, you know, 50, maybe 30 liters each. And then we spend all the time olive oil. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So going back to the fungi and the microbiome, before you came on, we were talking about like what's interesting there. And, and you, you, you mentioned Japan. And Yes. You know, in 2009, a patient in Japan had an infection with a new Candida species. As you know, there are different species in Candida, like you have Candida albicans, Candida glabrata, but this one, a new one, it's called Candida aurus because it was isolated from the ear of a Japanese patient. And guess what? It is multi-drug resistant. In other words, it's like antibacterial, bacterial. Right. We have some compounds, antibiotics, where they really don't work against a certain strain of bacteria. We did not have the situation with fungi till this came out. So now we are seeing that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, is warning about it. And 
with, when this happened, my team started working on this and we established models. You know, like in science, you need to establish models, animal, mm -hmm. animal model in vitro testing to make sure you understand this organism. And then once you understand it, you'll be able to come out with ways to get rid of it or treat it. And we are making advances, but we are really watchful for it because it caused infection in hospitals. And I tell you, New York is an epicenter for that. A lot of hospitals in New York have it. And the New York Times wrote a great review about it uh, recently. So it is in the forefront of healthcare issues. But the good news, I always like to tell you there is good news because I'm an optimistic <laughs> guy. I'm with you. And uh, we have been testing some experimental compounds, antifungals, and they really work very well against it. So That's awesome. Yeah. So what do you think is going on with these superbugs, if you will? So on one hand, look, like sometimes you need antibiotics. They work. They save lives. Uh, but on the other hand, one, one could say they're overprescribed. Um, so you've got that going on. Some people say, well, that's to blame for these super bugs. But in your opinion, like what's what's happening? Is this something that's just happened over the course of time and we're seeing it again? Or are we in this new era that due to various, whether it's environmental factors or what have you, that like we're entering this new age where these new super bugs are going to develop like here and there and they they will come and you know, wreak havoc and then disappear. Yeah. So I, I tell you what you are pointing is very, very important uh, point that we should elaborate on. Number one, I mean, we talked about Canada ores, which is not only in Japan now, it's all over the place. Number two, we, you know, we all have skin infection or nail infection, onychomycosis, and there are good drugs, in particular one of them called terbenefin or lamacil. Now they are seeing a huge increase in the resistance of these dermatophytes to this drug, which we did not see. I've mm -hmm. been following this field for the last over 25 years, you know, since we, since I came to Cleveland, and we never see it. Now we are starting to see it here. So, your question is: So what's going on? I tell you. It's like everything in biology is multifactorial. The abuse, a lot of prescription of drugs which are not necessary sometimes. You know, we think somebody have headache or uh, temperature, we go directly give them antibiotics mm -hmm. or even sometimes take it when you don't need it just to make sure. sure. So that's we know. Now, what's so interesting, a friend of mine, Dr. Arturo Casadeval, he is from Hopkins. He just wrote an article about Candida auris, and he connected it to the climate change. Wow. Because now this organism is appearing in three different continents without really any reason. So the environment could be playing a role as well. So in terms of day-to-day, -day, and I think of like traveling, you know, you got in a fight last night. I, I travel a lot and, you know, airplanes, airports, you got people from all over the world, lots of organisms interacting with each other. What What's kind of your, your standard advice for, for someone who doesn't want to get something they don't want? <laughs> you know, first of all, I want to tell you, we should not panic and say, oh, this is terrible. No, 
as long as your immunity is strong, right. your body can fight against a lot of diseases. So we don't have to, to panic. And, the, and it's amazing how effective our immunity is. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you become immunocompromised, if you are a cancer patient, if you are a transplant patient or something like this, then you need to start thinking, sure. thinking about that. So when I'm t- I travel, obviously I uh, wash all the time my hands. I try not to, you know, uh, avoid people who are coughing, you know. Sure. It would be great if they just put their, uh, you know, napkin or something in their mouth. But all in all, it's no problem. The other thing which I use, and I'm not trying to uh, advertise here, but this is the what I do. We have a spray called Halo. Yep. where you, I use it whenever I'm traveling. I feel a little bit itchy or I feel, you know, like I was going to Japan. I really uh, sprayed it. It It really good. And some other people tell me, you know, as long as you have some sort of disinfectant and take care of it early on, you'll be fine. Right. I think that's the big thing, too. When you start to feel something coming, just, just stop it. Dead yes. Do whatever you can. Yeah. So th- there's so much happening in our world in 2020 and there's new science new studies coming out every day what's interesting to you and and what do you think we're going to be talking about you know six months a year from now i really agree with you it's very interesting we live in very interesting times and to me people asking me are you going to retire i say no 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 (laughs) (laughs) there are so many exciting things to happen especially if we go back into the microbiome field you know we now defined that what organisms live in which part of our body. We know that if they are imbalanced, they will cause trouble. And the last thing is, what we are doing now is, how can we rebalance and maintain our, our gut health and the microbiome? I think this is gonna be very, very hot area. And I think in the coming few years, we are gonna see ways to try to rebalance it by both diet as well as, for example, uh, fecal transplant, but not necessarily fecal transplant. We may identify certain organisms such as probiotics, you know, that are able to reduce the pathogens, get rid of the biofilm, and also support the beneficial organisms, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think this is gonna be very exciting because to me, even if we have 30% of our findings become true and we are able to rebalance our microbiome, we may look at medicine in completely different ways. I'm glad you mentioned uh, fecal transplants. A lot of people who you know struggle with serious GI issues, autoimmune, are like very excited about what's happening there. It's still early and it, you know, the concept Sure. grosses people out but yeah. it's it's people are very excited about it i mean i i there is also data to show that especially in c diff it really works very well oh really it really works very well and people are cured from it the issue only as you said it's early times because mm-hmm. sometimes it depends on the donor of the right feces or stools okay you need to make sure it's good and the fda is looking very closely at that but to me, I think the exciting part, maybe we can refine our approach instead of using the whole 
feces or the whole stool, we will be able to select organisms that will be able to target the bad organisms and get rid of them and support the new ones. Mm. You know, I tell you, we are do working a, a very interesting uh, study. We just completed that uh, biome health uh, and a study in autism. And we were able to identify what is the dysbiosis? What is the imbalance? So now what's exciting me is I would love now to go the next step. Can we find what diet and or therapies that can modulate the gut of these children? It will be very exciting. So do you think that's something in the next couple of years you'll are we like just beginning to understand what's happening there and potentially some, whether it's through lifestyle, healing modalities, a lot of things that can help those children? I really, I'm confident this can happen. Wow. You know, and the, I wouldn't say two years because, you know, you have to do clinical sure. trials sure. and that, that takes time to recruit patients and whatever. But I think in the coming five years, this could happen. Wow. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, my last question is around lifestyle, specifically stress. If we're talking about gut, we're talking about nutrition. You know, I could eat the the most perfect diet in the world, but if I'm stressed out of my mind, yes, kind of not going to work for me. Absolutely, this is very interesting because, as you know, we do gut testing for people where. The biome, biome Health does that. People send us their samples. We look at their, uh, what you call, profile of bacteria and fungi, and we compare it to normal people, and we see whether it is imbalanced or not. Mm-hmm. So we had a lady where she had imbalanced microbiome. Then the other thing we capture when these people come, we ask them about their diet, their personal questions, and we looked at her diet and she's eating the perfect diet. Then that's really threw me into a loop. What is going on? When <laughs> we looked at the her stress level, it was severe. So you like at cortisol levels or? It's, yeah, yeah, cortisol level. So that's why we advise that. And in the book, I bring that up very clearly that you need to reduce your stress because stress has been shown to affect the Micro, the, the, the brain and the microbiome through the gut-brain access. Basically, the, the, our gut and brain, they talk together, bi-directional, right. uh, you know. And you need to uh, try to reduce the stress, and we advise, like, you have to do meditation. You have to do yoga. I tell you, I never did yoga before. Now I do it, and I really enjoy it. Sometimes during the day when we are all running around like headless chicken, (laughs) (laughs) it's good to take a few minutes to just close your eyes and relax. If you do this, it definitely is going to help your effort to rebalance your gut and be in a good, well, GI system and as well as overall wellness. So I want to go back to autism for a second. What do you think? There are so many different opinions, <laughs> so many controversial. What do you think we've just gotten so wrong there <laughs> in the scientific community, the wellness community? And it's a very, people I've talked to about it, it's complicated. Yeah. 
you know, what do you think we just <laughs> I feel like everyone's gotten that one wrong? You know, I think there are no easy answers. It's really there is no easy answer. I tell you why, because I I I got started to I I started to get uh, interested in this area in the last two years, and especially focusing on the microbiome and this sort of thing. And then I started to read about it. I want to understand it. The problem it is such a wide range of, uh, you know, people from very mild to severe cases. Right. And they have different behavioral issues. They have different gut issues. So it's very difficult to do a study and include all comers, you know, because mm -hmm. then it's very difficult to make sense of the data. So to me, as I said, I am an optimistic guy. I think about these things and I think, okay, how best to try to get more data to help us? Sure. Let's focus on mild to moderate cases. Let's understand that and then Try dietary approach. Try fecal-like transplant or, mm -hmm. or therapies that works. And then once you understand this, you can go into the wider. So it's very important to design clinical trials which are more focused, more limited. Otherwise, it's very tough. To it makes it totally makes sense. You've got too big of a bucket. Yeah, it's just like it, not a great comparison, but the same idea that you, we're talking about carbohydrates. We're not separate. They're different. Exactly. Not a, not a great apples to apples comparison, but it, yeah, it's yeah. hard to make sense of the data when there's such a wide range of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, and that's why, like, you laugh at this because I work with fungus also. And one of the things which we do is people trying to develop drugs to treat nail infections. Okay. And it is difficult. You can have moderate to severe. And severe, the, 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 the nail become thick, they become, sure. you know. So to try to understand it, we try to do mild to moderate. I was thinking when I was talking about uh, autism or my thinking to, to myself about it, I say, you know what? We really should do the same like we did with the fungus. Look at mild to moderate. Yep. And once we have a grasp, then let's go into bigger. It's a good approach for uh, multiple ailments or diseases. They're all different. Yes, I really agree. They're all different. Well, congrats on the book. Thank Everyone you. go pick it up. Total Gut Balance. Pleasure to have you here and, and give my best to your son, Afif. Afif, if you're listening, we, we love you, Afif. <laughs> I tell you, Afif told me when he knew I'm coming, he, 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 he sent his love and uh, the best. Well, Afif, next time you got to come. I, I love Afif, guys, because he's a huge basketball fan. So we talk basketball all the time. And <laughs> Afif's a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, and I'm from New York. So I'm just, you know, got no team to root for here. So we, misery loves company. That's great. <laughs> Thanks so much. You are welcome. Thank you for having me.